0: Hey there, Cornerstone. Production Director Caleb here, thanking you for joining us once again for the sermon podcast. This week, as you guys know, or maybe you don't know, we live streamed our services only. Um, Just with everything going on, we decided it was best to stay home, stay safe, but still preach this gospel of truth and still make sure that we are gathering together, just digitally gathering together as a congregation and declaring that this is truth. And Stuff didn't go exactly as planned, but beforehand we had prayed that, God, your hand will be in this, your will be done in this, and so, you know, we really believe that this is what God wanted to happen with this video and with this sermon, and so we just pray that you really enjoy this, that you engage with this, um, and that you have great discussions with your family based on this. So today you're going to hear ministering elder Mike Vanderdusen reading out of Exodus 40, 34 through 38, followed by senior pastor Logan Beardsley. We hope you guys enjoy. Thanks.
1: Oh, good morning. It's my privilege to be able to read today's scripture, or today's message. It's found in the book of Exodus, uh, Chav, verse 34 through 38. And even though you may be in your house or you may be behind your desk in your home, uh, hopefully you're gathered together with some other people, I would ask that uh, where you are and, and what you're doing, if you would please stand while we read together the word of God. The reason we stand when we're in church together is to revere and to respect God's holy, perfect, inspired, pure word. And even though you're at home, the principle remains. So if you would follow along with me or just listen as I read, it's Exodus 40, starting in verse 34. And it reads, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, throughout all of their journeys. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thanks. Thanks be to God. And, you know, before this service started, we said we were praying together. And it's funny how God often gives us opportunities to actually act out the things we talk about. And one of the things I prayed was, Things are probably not going to go the way we expect them to go. And in our weakness, God is glorified. The truth right now is that we are still gathered. We still are together. And we're just not going to have a really awesome looking video right now. But we are still gathered together. And we still get to hear the word of the Lord. And God is still the living God, active Breathing among us. But I am a little on tilt right now, which is a poker word for really pissed off. So I'm just going to pray and repent of that, and we're going to let God speak. Would you pray with me? God, you are here. You are sovereign. And we, in this moment, are just reminded that we declare your sovereign and when things don't go according to plan, you're in it all. And so, I, I just feel right now, Lord, I just, I, I confess. I confess of my own desire to put on a show and not just to share your glory. So, Lord, I repent of that. I turn towards your face. I turn toward what you are going to speak, and I know that you have a word for us. This morning, I know that you have a word, and I know that the enemy is attacking and speaking and and trying to distract us from what you would teach us. So God, I pray we rebuke all the distractions. We rebuke everything that is telling us to unplug and disconnect from this space. And right now, as we read your word, as we hear from you, God, we pray that you will speak. That your people grow, gather, and that your peace would be known. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. We pray this in the name of you, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Am I talking to the iPad or the camera? The iPad, okay, got it. So this morning as we ask this question, as we look at this passage, the question I've been asking and praying is, that, is simple. How do we hope? How do we hope? How, what is the hope? We talk about having hope. We talk about clinging to hope. We talk about sharing our hope, but how? I don't know about you, but for me, this has been a very real question. I've been thinking about this and wondering for our church, how do we hope right now? How does hope go from some theoretical position to something in our heart? How do I hope when the stock market is crashing, when work is not available, when I have no child care, maybe I have no toilet paper, or maybe how do I hope When I got a month quarantined in my home with five children, and what's my hope? I think this morning I want us to hear that we have hope, and I think that God is teaching us. I love how in his sovereignty, in his perfect power, he gives us his word. And if you know, we've been in this 20-week series at Cornerstone where we've been working through the book of Exodus. And in this passage, it is the final, the conclusion to Israel's journey out of Egypt. And and they're at Sinai, and they're getting ready to go towards the promised land, and God is speaking in to the people. And as we ask this question, I think the first thing I want us to understand that we learn in this passage, and as we ask this question, how do we hope is hear this, is looking back there are plenty of reasons to hope. Looking back, there are plenty of reasons to hope. When we're looking back, and maybe in this moment we feel disconnected, we feel like all everything is out of control, but when you start looking back at what God has done, there are plenty of reasons for hope. Think about the Israelites here as they're looking back. As they remember being in Egypt, if you know the story, they were slaves In total captivity, and this Pharaoh rises up and is in opposition to to him. But we know that opposition to God's plan is his plan because he is sovereign. And looking back, he was in that and he was speaking into that, and the people kept growing, kept multiplying in spite of the opposition. And the midwives contended for life. They saved the babies. They did all of this. You see the very presence of God in the midst of opposition. And we see this hero, Moses. We see in the story Moses being literally drawn out of the Nile, drawn out of death. And then as you follow his story in Egypt, you know that eventually he is drawn into by the burning bush, Yahweh himself, the great I am, saying, I'm going to speak. I am going to move. And as the people look back, they feel this hope. They see through the ten plagues, God's triumph over Egypt. All of the other gods, all of the other forces that God defeats them one by one in a miraculous and powerful way. They see him leading them through the Red Sea. They remember the hope, hear this, by looking back. They remember the hope by looking back. And isn't that true for us? I don't know about you and I don't know your story, but I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that hope. Sometimes we just need to look back. Now for some of us, for all of us actually, when we look back, we can look back and see pain, tragedy, mistakes. All of this is true. But we can also see, as believers, God's faithfulness and presence in it, just like the Israelites. I know for me, I look back and I think about how I even ended up in Shauchilla. How I even ended up becoming a youth pastor and not an engineer. How I met my wife. How my children came into my family. How I went from being a youth pastor to a pastor that was beyond anything I was ready for or probably even qualified for how I, my family, got to go to China and adopt our little girls and to see them be a part of our family and to see the miraculous story of my family. That is what I, when I look back and when I'm in moments like this, I'll cling to that hope because I know that God never changes and the same God of Exodus is my God. Hear this. When we read Exodus, we're not meant to read it like it's a history book. It is a part of history, but it should be like like looking at family photos. It should be like looking at Abraham, my father. It should be at looking at the story of our people together, that we are a part of the story. And so as we think about this, as we think about the virus, as we think about our fear, as we think about our anxiety, as we think about why is that church open and that church closed, why, why is this school open and this school closed, why, how do I not get the virus? Do I have the virus? I don't know. All of these questions, we cling to the hope of God's presence first. And so I would just invite you to cling to that hope. As you're looking back, there are plenty of reasons to hope. There's a story, Pilgrim's Progress. If you follow the story in this story, Christian in the story makes some bad decisions. And he ends up in prison in a dungeon. And the dungeon represents his memories and his mistakes. And there's this incredible moment when he realizes as he's looking back, that yes, there's mistake and there's darkness, but there's also hear this a promise. It says this. What a fool am I to lie in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk at liberty. I have a key in my bosom called promise. That will, I am persuaded, open any lock in doubting castle. I have the key. And as we think about the Exodus story, out of captivity, into the promise, this is our promise. This is our promise. We look back for hope. But understand this. In this story, not only do we look back for hope, we look ahead. Hear this. We look ahead for hope. In this story, looking ahead, there was a reason for hope, and this was the reason for hope for the people as they were getting ready to go on a journey, as they were thinking about their future, as they were thinking about all that lay in front of them, how they would be provided for, how they would overcome the enemy, how they would travel in a foreign land. They had the cloud, and the cloud is God's grace it's the cloud of god's grace it represented the very glory of god and in this story that mike read to us look at what is happening if you've been following the story you know that god has been among them he has been speaking into them moses has been his intercessor they built this special tent for god to dwell and then the people like all people made a horrible mistake and 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 they built this idol and they and they upset God and, they ha- and there was a plague that came upon them and Moses interceded on their behalf and then they built the tent and now in this moment, as we finish Exodus, as they're starting on their journey of what is ahead, look at what happens. It says this, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The commentaries uh, tell us this was God making a home, dwelling among us. And then hear this as we see this summary of what this meant for the people, of what this meant for what was ahead. It says this, Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was taken up, then they did not, if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and was fire- Fire was in it by night, and in the the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys, the Lord was with them. And this cloud was grace. They did not deserve this. As they were looking ahead, it was God saying, I'm going to dwell among you in spite of you, and I'm going to give you my very presence among you. Let alone, the cloud was a physical grace. Have you ever been in the sun? Have you ever been sitting in the sun and then had this moment when the cloud covers the sun? This last week, before everything got shut down, I got to go to spring training with my son and uh, my wife. We made the long trip to Arizona and it was incredible. It was everything I could have ever imagined. But there was this moment about the fifth inning when I realized that I hadn't packed shorts and it was Arizona, which apparently is a lot hotter than California, and I was very uncomfortable and the sun was beating down on me and there was some intoxicated folks behind me that were getting a little obnoxious and I felt a little hopeless myself. And then in this moment, there was this itty-bitty little cloud in the blue sky that covered the sun. And there was, it was such an incredible taste of grace. And I picture this, the people in a desert land. Wondering what is ahead of them and God, the way that he reveals himself, the way that he shows them himself is in a cloud. That during the day when it is hot, provides shade. And at night, when it is cold, when there's no light, it's a fire. Do you not see the grace of God? Do you not see that God's presence is grace? And that he wants to dwell among us. But in this story, as incredible as this is, there still is a very true reality. Moses could not go in the tent. You see, the glory of God is so holy and so set apart, and even though, as Pastor Doug talked about last week, Moses was a friend of God. He is a hero in this story, but he is not the hero, because he could not himself go into the presence of God. There needed to be a better Moses. There needed to be one to come. And we have been saying this every week for the last 20 weeks as we look at Exodus, that excuse me, that there is a better Moses, that all of this story is about us, and most importantly is about the hero, Jesus Christ. And as you follow this story, it all points to Jesus, that Jesus came into our captivity and brought us out. He, he draws us out of death and into life. He is the great I am in the burning bush. He is the one that's holding back the waters. He is the one that turns bitter water into living water. He is the bread of life that feeds us like the manna. He is the one who says, I will turn sinners to friends because, listen to this, not because you do good, not because you sing good, but because he died on a cross was the Passover lamb so that we could enter into his presence. And this is our cloud. This is the cloud of grace that we get. Hear this. This is the cloud. These stories, Jesus is our cloud. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 12 where it talks about how these stories are a cloud, and actually, it relates the witnesses of the Old Testament, the prophets, the people, the stories, as a, as a cloud of witnesses, folks that are singing and witnessing God's presence amongst us. And I think this, as we ask the question, how do I hope? What do I do with this? How do I know that, yes, looking back, there are plenty of reasons, but looking ahead, there was one reason for hope, God's cloud among us. How do I know that Jesus is my cloud? Hear this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cleans so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As we think about this, as we wonder together, what does it mean to have hope? The first thing I want you to hear is in faith, we set aside the fear. We reject the fear, the worry, the anxiousness. And isn't that a good and important word for us right now? Isn't that a good word for our family? Isn't that a good word for parents as children are concerned and anxious? Don't they? we want our children to see that we are not afraid? And the the catalyst for this hope is faith, is believing in something that is not seen, but something that we know to be true. And so in faith, we set aside fear because we know that God is sovereign. He is in control. He is here. Maybe you ask, but how? How? I can't help it. I get it, Pastor Logan. I don't want to be afraid, but I am. These feelings in me, this anxiety in me, I just can't flip a switch. Well, I think that, the, that John gives us some help with this. Look at what he said in 1 John when he talked about how to set aside fear. He said this. There is no fear in love. You see, perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You see, it is love that casts out fear. We are a people that replace fear with love. The way that we set aside the fear is through love, and it starts with the love of Christ. It starts with this reality that Jesus is our hope. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, made a point about this. He wrote uh, during the time of the atomic bomb threat, and there was a lot of panic and a lot of fear amongst the world about bombs. And as I I was reading or I read a blog about this, I just thought this was such a good point that he made to God's people about our attitude in the midst of fear. Hear what he said. And whenever you hear the word bomb in this, just replace it with virus. This is the first point to be made, he said. The first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, let that virus, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep, and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. Now obviously it's a little different when we think about contributing to this and not spreading this, but the emphasis of the attitude must be the same. Right now I cannot go and visit with people and risk sharing a virus but I know who can and that is Jesus. And I know that we can stay connected and so we must set aside fear. But the other thing I want us to understand in this is that in faith we set aside the fear. That's the first point. And the second point from Hebrews is this. In faith, set your heart on following Jesus. In faith, set your heart on following Jesus. Look at what the author of Hebrews says here in chapter 12, he says not only to lay aside the sin which cleans so closely, he says let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There is a path ahead of us, there is a journey ahead of us. Just like the Israelites had a journey, we have a journey. We have a mission that Jesus is calling us to. And so as we think about this outbreak, as we think about this pandemic, we must be a people that follow the ways of Jesus here. And so we don't hoard things, we give them away. We don't run from things, we run into conflicts. As we think about the opportunity to care for those that need child care, to, to help with the education, I don't know any of the opportunities, but I know that Cornerstone Church is going to be praying and seeking Lord Jesus, how can we follow? How are you calling us to set aside fear and to step into your ways where we can love God and love neighbor? And maybe you're asking, but how? The Israelites, they had this awesome cloud to look at. We don't have a cloud, Logan. We don't have this cloud, this physical cloud. How? Well, I want to share with you one thing here from Psalm 119 as it talks about the very word of God. How do we know how to follow Jesus? How do we know the things that we're called to do? Look at what it says in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we ask ourselves, what should we do? How do we in faith follow Jesus? We must follow his ways. And the way to follow his ways is to know his ways, which is why we study his word in our families, in our homes, in our church, in our community groups, in our personal time. And we don't just listen to it, we do what it says. So I just wanna encourage you not only to set aside the fear, but also to set your heart on following Jesus. This is a unique opportunity. We have an incredible opportunity, and this should be seen as an opportunity. You must grab that. And finally, in faith, set your eyes on Jesus the King. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but he also is resurrected, and he's living and active and moving. It tells us in this Hebrews passage that he is the author and the finisher of. He is the one that we set our eyes on. And this should be a giant sigh of relief. This should be an opportunity for us just to breathe deeply of these truths. I'd love to share with you as you think about, Logan, I don't have a cloud. I don't have something physically to look to or something that is around me. I want to read to you the words of Jesus and what he said about this. He said this. In John chapter 16, I tell you the truth. He's talking to his disciples, he says, it is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. If I do not go away, the Helper, capital H, Helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you says, when the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He says, truly, truly, in verse 23, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that you may be full. And then finally in verse 33 to his disciples, he says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, hear this, I have overcome the world. This is the hope that we hold to, so in our faith, we set our eyes on Jesus, and this is just the beginning of what he has in store for us. Church, friends, as we think about this anxiousness, please hold on to this with me. As we think about how we share this hope. Please share the reason for your hope. In your homes as you watch this, please be a people that embrace faith. Please be a people that are united in the ways of God and share the ways of God. And I just want to share this. If you are watching this and you don't know the author and finisher of faith, right now in this moment, would you just put your faith would you see this as an opportunity for you to be drawn in to a personal relationship with the God who created it all and who came down and dwelt among us so that we could be with him? And if that is you, would you just pray with me? Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner. I am far from you, but you come to me. You died for me, a sinner. And by your work on the cross, I believe that you paid for my sins. Therefore, I am an heir. I am a child of God. And I am righteous in your eyes, justified. You now see me, Heavenly Father, as a child. Therefore, in light of that, I commit my life to you. I commit my soul to you and long to grow more and live more. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me to set aside the fear, to set my heart on what you have done and my eyes On your face. We give this to you. We love you. You get the glory, so we give you the glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This time, normally, we would sing a song of response. And we were going to sing a song called Another in the Fire. I would just encourage you at home to play that song to sing that song and let that be our response. But what I would like to do is to invite our worship team and everybody that's on the team to come up and circle around me up here. That would be all you folks that are helping out with the service. And I would like us to sing a song that the church has been singing for a very long time called the Doxology. It's a song, just circle around, a song where we declare the glory of God, where we declare the cloud of God, And we declare his presence here, together. And as we sing this, if you're watching, could you sing with us this truth, and then go watch another in the fire, and then have a conversation in your group, in your home, about these truths. Because the church is not a place, it's a people, and you are the people, so you do not need me to be the church let's be the church and sing this together.